Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. It is time, Josh. It's time again. Actually, it's not time again, but summer is almost over. And the summer is the time where we go out, at least us up here, because I don't even know if you own a grill or know how to operate a grill. I don't know, maybe I don't. Do you? We're, I mean, well, we're not allowed to own one in an apartment in Texas. Well, no, no, you're allowed hazards. to do whatever the fuck you want to do, Josh. You just I mean, don't we tell have me some about. in our development, our our complex. When but was the last time you cooked one. a piece of meat on a grill? Ugh. It's been a while because I've lived in Texas for five years, so it's probably been six years since <laughs> since, since you grilled that. a piece of meat. I'm um, you know, on an actual grill. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, yeah. What is wrong with you? You're I mean, a man. What the heck? I mean, you will get yourself an apron. To... I mean, are, or are you vegan? No. I mean, not. you do have plants uh, behind you. Yeah. They're not living, though. I've already killed them. Oh, okay. Now you offended somebody on the podcast in which we're talking <laughs> about a topic. Um, or the thing is, we've actually talked a little bit about this previously, maybe a year ago. I don't even know how long it's been, but this whole plant based movement, how big it got to the point where. You had Impossible Burgers at Wa- at Burger King. You still do. Like an, every restaurant you go to, now there is like there there's your beef burgers and then there's your plant based burgers and there's more yep. plant based sausage or whatever it might be. So um, I want to dive a little deeper because I think we've expanded so much since that in, in just a year's time. Like plant based, not just meat, but you look at look at the quote unquote milk section and ice cream section, right? You have oat-based milk, oat-based ice cream. You have all these different variations of plant-based X, Y, Z that is now, um, you know, they're just taking up a lot of retail space in grocery. And it's amazing how much we have invested in this movement because I know there's there's been movements in the past. And, and okay, it's not a movement, Josh. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. Lifestyle. Okay? And, and, lifestyle. I, and I'll agree, and I'll, and, you know, and, and I say that, Somewhat jokingly, but at the same time, it's true. Like the people who abide by this type of diet, or it, it is for them, it's not like Atkins where they just do it and they're done, or keto where they misunderstand it. Like if you're on a plant based diet and you're serious about it, that's what you do. I mean, it's amazing how many people contact me about my product. And like if it, it it's got to be vegan, it's got to be plant based. I mean, it's so kudos to them for doing it, but it, it, it's become such a thing to the point where you have space on restaurant menus you have space in groceries chains that's worth a lot of money being devoted to this lifestyle and i don't it doesn't look like there's signs of this slowing down so if you invested in uh you know in their i think they had their ipo like a year ago didn't they uh um, so beyond meat yeah beyond beyond meat, meat. yeah i mean if you invested then you're probably sitting pretty today right i don't even know what the stock price is i think from like where it um was offered you're probably up six or seven times your money already Jesus just in a year Christ. so you're doing pretty good. This is one of those things that you should have, you should have been fucking around your Robinhood app, and you wouldn't even have to do you, this podcast anymore. Yeah, you probably you if you probably are doing better if you invested in there at the IPO than uh, probably the entrepreneur is right now because he hasn't been able to cash anything out. So you're probably you're probably doing better than him right now. So tell me, Josh. Tell me when is this ever going to slow down, or is this really a, a freight train that's just going to keep going? Uh, easy answer is it's not slowing down. It's not going to slow down. It's probably never going to slow down. Um, the, I guess there's a, probably two ways to look at this. So there's the first way where there's not going to be all that much growth in, and that's like the full on lifestyle of like vegan vegetarianism. Like, you know, all of your habits go towards either, you know, some plant-based alternative of 
of every activity, no animal based, you know, personal care, cleaning supplies, uh, food, whatever, you know, that the type of lifestyle that is not going to grow that much. Will it grow a little bit? Yes. But will it grow, you know, triple quadruple in the next 10 years? No, it's not going to happen because that's a very restrictive lifestyle. It's kind of similar to keto or any, like when you start uh, restricting people's quote unquote, like normal lifestyles, the fall off point is really quick on those things. So I don't think that is the case. Now, the other side and what is going to drive this for the next 30 years is the flexitarian lifestyle. It's you and I that have no real care about, you know, the difference of like, you know, how the animal maybe it gets killed or we, we, maybe we don't really care about any of that stuff. We just think, you know what? The flavor profiles of this is pretty good. The um, I want to try this. Oh, you know what? This is um, just as good of a product. And you make those like decisions once a week. Mm-hmm. Once a week, that's five, you know, maybe 1%. Next year, maybe make 2% of your changes to plant-based from animal-based. You just kind of slowly make those decisions because a lot of things become easier, more convenient. They taste the same. The, the substitute um, effect, all those things start to become a lot easier for you to just absorb into your lifestyle. Maybe it's you, you understand some of the sustainability of it. So you're like, oh, you know what? I want to take care of the earth a little bit more. So I want to make those decisions or whatever the, the answers are. That's what's driving the market. So you got to think about the total consumer market and one or 2% might not seem like much. That's billions and billions and billions of dollars of purchasing power that's shifting. Mm-hmm. That's what's driving all of this across every single consumer package good category. The one that gets the most attention is the meat one because I think that's so like polarizing for people. Right. It's like if, if you meet a vegan or a vegetarian and they don't eat meat and you're a meat eater, you're like, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? Like, don't you understand how great a steak tastes? Like, what? <laughs> like you don't understand it. But now I think there's a lot of those options that are creating an easier path for people. You know, mm-hmm. I, I haven't tried either of the Beyond Meat or the Impossible Foods. You still but yet? No, I haven't. I just like one of those things where I don't know. I just do yourself a favor and just try sketched, it. Sketched but out by don't, it. But, but I say try it, try it, but don't make it yourself. Because I think yeah. that was my mistake. I made it myself, and I could see it. Like I could see the coloration of it, and I could see like, you know, the, the ingredient list on this plant-based stuff was extremely long. But I mean, like, if you did other, I mean, it's tough. You know, you go to a restaurant, you want to eat a nice meal. And not to say yeah. it's not nice at all, but I mean, then you you might not feel as grossed out if you're not used to. It, I guess is the term. But like, yeah. even when I prepared it myself, like the first couple of bites, I'm like, okay, this actually isn't terrible. It's, I mean, I enjoy my meat, but I get why people like it. Yeah, it's it's been one of those things. I think I just haven't been able to find the right opportunity. To your you point, like Austin. when I go out, you, you, I you mean, know, there's got to be there's got to be straight plant based markets in Austin, Texas, isn't oh, there? There's, I mean, down right below me, there's probably five options I can get one. It's like it's just that I I just have always to your point when you go out to eat, it's like I want to eat something that I want to eat, and I want to feel like I'm going to be you know satiated in whatever I eat. And if I'm going to make a choice like that, I'm a creature of habit too. So yeah. it's one of those things where I don't want to break my habit if I know I'm not going to potentially like it. If mm-hmm. I, if I buy something and I don't like it, I'm going to be real pissed off because yeah. I'd be like, you know, it's not good. So I think that's been one of those hurdles for me. Uh, but with the kind of what's going on now with like COVID, like it's gotten an accelerant, I think for two reasons, you have the meat packing kind of issue with like a lot of the, them being closed. And there were some meat shortages across the United States. 
there wasn't necessarily a meat shortage for like the plant-based alt meats, whatever you want to call them. So a lot of people were trialing them and trying them because they were not, they weren't out of stock. So they're going into the store and they go, Oh, let me try this beyond meat, uh, meatball or sausage or burger meat or whatever it is. And I think the last quarter they had about 200% year over year growth in their grocery retail channel because of that. Like a lot of people just trialing it. Second, they opened up their direct to consumer site. So even like people that maybe they don't have a, you know, grocery store, which is kind of odd at this point, maybe they, that you don't have a grocery store that stocks those, but maybe you don't, maybe you live somewhere rural where they don't or whatever, and you want to try it. At least now you have a direct to consumer offering that you can order it and they could ship it to you so you could try it. Um, so those two things I think has helped at least that. And that's usually the one that I think people look at as like the highlight reel of like, how is plant-based doing? They look at the plant-based versus the meat, uh, actual you know, burger battle. And they're like, this has some traction. Right. And I think it's important for people to understand the baseline too. When we talk about like percentage increase year over year too, I think Josh and I've talked about this before. Like if your baseline is very low and the next year you do something significant high, of course the percentage increase is going to be significant. But, um, I mean, this is just some, some stats here from 2020. This actually came out in spring, but the plant-based market has grown 11.5% compared to 2% in terms of retail, and that's that's based on food, okay? And I, and this is based on – this isn't based on e-commerce. This is straight scan data from, from grocery stores. So every time that you buy something from a grocery store, the UPC gets stand, scanned. Uh, grocery s- stores are registered with Nielsen or Spins. Basically, like there's this scan data that you can get, and you can say, okay, you can, you can segment by category. It's kind of crazy, and I know like Josh and I get geeked out about this stuff. We love looking at this stuff, but – you know, we look, Josh, you mentioned meat. Like, meat is almost a, a billion-dollar category in terms of alternative meat. So plant-based meat uh, in 2019 was almost a billion dollars. It's $939 million, which was an increase of 19%. That's a huge increase on a big baseline, you know? Yeah. Um, milk, for instance. So, you, you, like, I personally consume oven milk. I don't drink regular dairy yeah. milk. I haven't drank dairy milk in four years. Um, that's a $2 billion uh, category for plant-based and that was up five percent so even though it's not 18 and a half percent that five percent is still a massive increase because the baseline was already at like one point something billion so um, if you look at plant-based and you say okay we want to segment meat and then say we want to segment like let's say dairy so dairy would encompass milk cheese yogurt that is actually just as uh, that is like the biggest category so your dairy yeah. category and that is increasing crazy high so then for me, it's like, okay, this flexitarian plant-based movement, when I think about our space and our industry, and we think about all these companies, are, and again, we, we know that the, the, the barrier to entry is extremely hard on this, but like we talk about plant-based, or, or we have the, the vegan powdered proteins, and we talk about these RTDs in terms of energy drinks, and now MRE from Redcon's coming out. Like, is there an opportunity, or somebody just not thinking about maybe an opportunity to do a plant-based RTD? to a protein drink. And, and I think maybe it might still be a little too early, but it's something that I think people in our space need to start thinking about and maybe try to like, because they, they exist. They're out there. They're not good. I haven't had, a, I mean, some people might like them, but have you had any, have you had any plant-based protein drinks? Like that are, uh, most of the times they come in glass bottles. They're very like bougie, but I mean. Um, I was thinking of maybe two that are not too bad. Like there was the Evolve brand that comes out of Muscle yes, Milk muscle, um, yep. or Cyto Sports. I didn't like Pep- it, but I mean, Pepsi. It was... It's like it's not bad. I mean, if you're comparing it to milk-based right. protein drink, like a like an actual Muscle Milk, it's far and away not even close. Correct. But um, also, I the Own brand only what yeah. you need is yep. that the the acronym what it stands for. But that's been another one. I think if anybody's looking for an opportunity and you want to see a path. 
that one, because it is a newer upstart emerging brand and how fast it's been able to grow, that one is is a pretty good kind of one to look at in terms of pegging, you know, what are they doing from a strategic standpoint? Because that one, you know, they didn't start from a, a big conglomerate uh, portfolio that, you know, had a bunch of money to push it through the, the system. This is just an upstart brand. And I think to your point around, like, is there opportunity? I think there's a ton of opportunity. I think you have to obviously temper your expectations on like, what's the total addressable market today? Mm -hmm. And then do you have the patience for it long term? Because yeah, a plant-based protein powder is not a, as big of a market as the animal-based whey protein right. powder market. But is it growing faster than the animal-based protein market? Yes. Is it, you know, in five years, is it going to double or triple what it is today? Probably. So it's like, especially if you get in early, it the way they've been flavored. Yeah, yeah, you get in early and you get, you know, that good customer base that understands your brand and ethos and everything and the product's good and they've trialed it. Great. You're going to have a, a really strong success. Same with like, you know, plant-based bars or, or any of those categories. They're just you need to be patient. Right. That's kind of your biggest point there. And you need to make sure that you really understand the, the full picture of like why those consumers are buying those products too, as well. So there's always been something in my mind, it's kind of like counterintuitive is a lot of times you have, you know, the plant-based, at least in our space, like sports nutrition brands, you have plant-based, um, they launch it under, you know, whatever their brand is and they don't really think anything past that point but they don't ever think you know what about the rest of the lifestyle like the sustainability aspect of it there's like other reasons why like or uh, they're not talking authentically they're just offering a product because they see an opportunity and it's just never really is ever going to go anywhere it's mm -hmm. just like you feel like you have to fill the cart and then it just takes resources away from you like you could be putting that towards something else like if you're going to go all in go all in and, and right. create something around that brand that actually is going to, you know, galvanize those customers and feel like it's, they, you speak like them, you are them, whatever like that. I think that's where a lot of this breaks down for me is like, you see the opportunity, you see the cash register signs, you're like, I want to get a piece of this. So then I'm going to launch a vegan protein, but the rest of your brand is all based on animal based products, gelatins or, you know, ways or, you know, aminos or collagens or whatever it is. It's like, everything is animal based. But yet you have this one product that all your claims are like, oh, this is you know great for the environment. And this is, you know, whatever. it's like, how do you just flip flop? You flip flopping all day long. It just for me, it's always going to hit resistance uh, because you're not fully authentic. So how do you that's a great, great observation on your standpoint. But then, like, let's uh, let's say Ghost, Redcon One, Nutribio, all these brands that we know and love, they have both. They have whey and then they have a vegan protein. So like. What's the like? So Nutribio, for instance, does like a natural line. I thought was really smart. So they kind of like did a sub brand of the main brand, sort of to uh, differentiate a little bit. Ghost is it's Ghost Vegan. Redcon is uh, Green Beret. Um, you know, and there are plenty other. But then you have like, you know, a brand like NutriKey, which has a way as well. But their vegan seems more like a better fit because of the colors and, and whatever. So like, if you're a sports nutrition brand, like, are you suggestion suggesting? doing a sub-brand or an off-brand or a different full-on brand that would encompass just plant-based? Or is it possible that you can have um, a cohesive family that includes both whey and vegan? I think currently, short-term-wise, you can have it in your portfolio and it does okay, mostly because 
as a full competitor landscape in the sports nutrition, sport supplement world, you don't have a lot of brands that are fully vegan that also speak the language of people that would enjoy that. Mm -hmm. So you don't have the, you know, the plant-based ghost. Like those don't exist. If they are a plant-based brand, they're usually like super granola head at, you know, these uh, natural (laughs) stores. Like it's not, you know what I mean? They're talking about things that like most consumers in the sports supplement space maybe don't care about, but yet they do care about the diet aspect of it. So there's that, I think there's competitiveness, the moat. I think you can uh, still play in it before a lot of people get in there and actually create really cool, unique brands that will speak to those people in the right way. And then the opportunity starts to lessen over time for those brands. But I think you can do it. I just would suggest if you're going to do any of those extensions, it's kind of like anything. If you're going to do gaming, if you're going to do like, you have to be all in, you can't tip your toes into it because, Oh, you know, short term, maybe you'll be able to use it as a test market. You'll get to see if people like it. Maybe that's your springboard to doing what I'm telling people to do. But over time, that becomes more and more difficult as the market matures because there's going to be some inc- like brands that are going to create some really strong offerings that you just can't compete with um, or it just doesn't make sense to compete with. So I think right now, because it's so new, like plant-based sports supplements are new yeah. or newer, I guess. Like, you know, they've been around forever, but not necessarily speaking to sports customers. You could do it. But long term, I think it's one of those areas we're going to have to kind of um, – you know, figure out if you're going to dive in or or if you're going to get out of the out of the pool. I think, I mean, you look at Ambrosia, for instance. I think that's a good example of of a company that Mark, Mike, Sean, that team there is like, okay, uh, um, let's let's kind of be all in more on like all encompassing health and include vegan, where they don't really have that crossover with you know that you're talking about. So, the, like MTS is Mark's main baby, um, and then Ambrosia's he's an he's an investor in it or he's an owner in it. But I think it's an interesting because I. They don't. Ha- Does Ambrosia have whey, or is it straight? I don't think. I think, straight, I think, I think it's, it's just, their, just their planta, based, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, that's a good example. Of it. I know a brand. I thought had they not come out with like their whey protein, what I thought would have been fantastic would have been Alani New. Would have been a great fit to do like more of like a vegan based or plant based type thing. Because I mean, not to be like, okay, it's a woman's brand, but I, I think this the, the branding. My biggest problem with companies that do plant-based is they're all in plant-based like like amazing grass or just hardcore 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 they don't have like that coolness factor to it so like yeah. you said there's not that ghost brand in the plant-based side why can't there be like alani new could have been that or ambrosia can be that it's just and it's going to take time i think that's the biggest thing like if you want to be today the ghost of the vegan movement or the flexitarian movement like you're gonna have to have patience because you're not going to make a hundred million dollars overnight but you have to understand, like, first mover advantage, nobody's really doing it and doing it cool. Get there, you can spend the time and resources, and you'll have to spend some money. But I think over time, as we see the metrics, like, year over year, this category is growing, and it's growing, and it's growing. And even, you know, I, I mentioned RTDs, like, the, the rate of drink beverages, it's a $125 million category for plant-based. That's a big chunk that's going to grow. I mean, that's that's it, that's up almost nearly 20% over the year. So if that keeps jumping 15 you know, 15, 13, 10, 8, whatever. I mean, that's going to be, you know, half a billion dollars in, in three, four years. That's a huge opportunity. So I think taking time to understand the metrics, to understand your marketing position. I mean, I think when people, for instance, like maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like Silk, the almond milk, when almond milk first came out, people looked at that and be like, this is uncool. This is gross. Now, like, 
I'm not saying it's uncool to grab dairy milk because it's still obviously predominantly consumed over almond milk. But I think like you feel, at least I do, like when I buy silk or almond milk, like I feel a bit more sophisticated. I feel more healthy. Like they kind of made it cool. And it's just, I think, on yeah. education, on some branding. Um, and I think that there's obviously an opportunity to do that within our space and be successful with it, even if you have to be patient for two to three years. Yeah, I mean, uh, something good to think about if anybody is listening to this and they're thinking, like, maybe I want to take a run at this. From an investment community standpoint, like CPG investors, what I'll say far and away is their trifecta of, like, trends they're looking at is the intersection between better for you, functional, and plant-based. Mm -hmm. If you can hit that intersection, you are perfect. And, and you have something going for you, very easy for you to raise capital if you have some velocity and going. Um, the problem is that a lot of them are not necessarily hitting that intersection appropriately. Right. And I think there's still a ton of opportunity out there for people. Um, yeah, to your point, I mean, it's there. I think the thoughts of plant-based have changed where when we, if you think 10 years ago, and we were to pick up anything like, like a silk or any type of plant-based anything, like we wouldn't feel very cool about it. We wouldn't be all that confident about telling people we're taking these things. But now you have people making those choices because it is, um, cool or it feels like you're making good decisions for the environment right. or um, because the taste is just as good or if maybe you just are having issues with your body digesting it correctly or whatever reasons like there's things that you know we've created in our bodies I think adapt adaptations that like we now have to kind of counter correct and it's a lot of things moving in that direction that um, is working for plant-based I think the the big thing is the patience yeah. element of it is like can you can you um, have a vision, execute on that vision, and not sway from it because you are impatient. You want to, you know, go towards the shiny things. Like you're gonna have to be kind of full into that. If not, it's just to your point: short-term thinking, transactionally thinking. You know, this is a good idea, or this is a test for me to think about for the future. Um, I think there's those opportunities all over the place in terms of, you know, just plant-based meal replacement shit. Like anything that you think about in our space category-wise that is now animal-based, there's going to be a subcategory of plant-based, and that has a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of people searching for those things on Amazon. You can see the search results of like these non-branded search terms. People are looking for this stuff. It's just a matter of there's not a lot of people offering them, and then there's not a lot of people doing it in a way that speaks correctly to those people that maybe hooks them in long-term. There's probably a lot of those consumers that buy a lot of different brands for each thing because they're not really attached to the brand. They're attached to the products they're seeking. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take somebody to kind of blend those all together in, in a brand right. um, forward way that people are going to look at it and go, this is, this is me. They're talking to me. They to, you know, I feel like this is a, an extension of me and I want to, you know, splash it on my chest and, and do all that kind of stuff because I feel like it, it's talking about me. You know, I think it's a good example um, of some of the stuff that we were talking about. And we're, we'll look at the food side because I saw this brand come out um, and I, I was intrigued like a ton by them. But on the food side, have you heard of the brand called – or it's, it's technically a sub-brand, but like Sweet Earth Foods? Yes. So like they have pizza, burritos, sausage links. And I saw these things. I'm like these actually look good. And I think they're owned by Nestle. I think Nestle actually owns 
um, yeah. owns it. But like Nestle could have done a hundred different things, but like this is a strictly like a plant-based company. And I think, um, you know, again, like this company didn't boost overnight, but they were patient with it. They understood the long-term payoff. And now you start seeing it in placements and like target refrigerated and freezer section and, and they're popping up everywhere because they were first movers and they, they created a lifestyle within a lifestyle, like a brand, a lifestyle brand within this lifestyle of plant-based. And I, and to go back, like plant-based is not vegan and vegan is not vegetarian, right? I think there's, there's some difference. Like yeah. if you're vegan, you completely eliminate all animal products. If you're plant-based, you focus more on like plant-based, but you still include some animal stuff in it. But so it's not like you have to be hardcore vegetarian or vegan, but you can be a plant-based and just promote that lifestyle in a cool, fun way. But I, I look at the Sweet Earth brand, the food side and say, you know what? They, they've been around you know, probably now for three, four years. And obviously they have the money of, I, like I said, I believe it's Nestle behind them, which helps. Okay. It helps when you have money, you can pay the slotting fees to get into Walmarts and targets. But look at what I think when I, one of the stores that I shop at that I think is one of the smartest stores in terms of purchasing, like they, they seem to always be successful. Whatever they buy seems to sell a ton of it's Costco. Like you walk into Costco, their buyers, obviously you have to have a good pricing slope for them, but they tend to pick things that are going to sell. And if you walk you know, in the last year, you have seen an influx of plant-based products, plant-based pizzas, um, the Beyond Meat things. Uh, you look down there, sports nutrition aisle, like there's more plant-based or vegan proteins. So again, like it's, it's not going anywhere. It's going to stay here. And I think understand – what it is that segment of the market really wants. Like if they're plant-based, like what's important to them? And if, if you have a brand today that, that like to Josh's point is speaking out of both sides of your mouth, well then maybe you need to spin off a separate brand and have that brand be strictly to that target consumer. And, and just know like you're not, for instance, if Redcon spun something off for a vegan, it's not going to be a hundred million dollar company in five years. Like Redcon was, it's not going to happen. But you can still make good money, be first mover, and over time it could be uh, a really, really nice um, cash cow for for your overall umbrella company. Um, so it, it would – I'd be uh, – again, I'm not challenging somebody to do this, but it would be cool to see somebody make vegan cool. I think that's really where it's struggling. Yeah, the validation in the market, if anybody's even considering any um, CPG category, is you know, how – much private label activity is happening. And if you shop at any major retailer, be that Walmart, Target, Kroger, Costco, whatever, they all have private label mm-hmm. iterations of successful products, so branded products. So it's one of those things where it's gotten to the point where they know we're going to invest our own money into our own retail brand to offer these products in whatever way. That's usually a validation that there's mm-hmm. enough of an addressable market to go after those things. So if you are looking at anything and you're saying, you know, oh, I don't know, this doesn't seem like that big of a, an opportunity. If people like that are throwing money to your point, like if, if Nestle, Kellogg's, um, you know, Kraft Heinz, anybody is investing in upstart brands, it's because they see the opportunity long-term. So it's act as if you are one of them act as if, you know, the smartest guys in the room, if they're making moves, you know, quote unquote, it's usually an indicator that there's some things going on that you should probably pay a little bit more attention to. And if it fits into your you know, goals and what you want to do, then it's an opportunity that just makes a lot of sense. Just for me, it's a, it's a secular trend. It's not something that's going to be short term. This is uh, honestly 30 years. If you want to stake your claim and, and look back 30 years from now, you're going to see this thing, you know, 10 X or something mm-hmm. like that. And you're going to 
really, um, you know, if you find success, you're going to be able to build something really big. Um, but again, you got to be you got to be confident in your strategy right off the bat and close with that vision and not actually just like you know go all over the place and talk out of both sides of your mouth because that's what ends up happening at least in our space because yeah. most of the opportunity is on the other side of the um, of the coin. I think there's still this stigma that exists that plant-based or vegan means like tree hugger. It also yeah. means unflavorful, not good. That's not true. Like the vegan-based proteins that, that I've been trying lately, I, I'll just use that, have been very good. Like um, yeah. to the point where I prefer them over whey. I think that they taste better. And I also like the mouthfeel of vegan protein. But, um, you know, it's just how do you tell that story in which you don't come off as a quote-unquote tree hugger? And it's not about that. Like they're not trying to say don't cut down trees and plants. Like I think that this is just a stigma that's been around forever. It's just it's a lifestyle in which that we can embrace as brands and, and you're going to be successful if you can do it right. Like, like Josh said, if you can reach that intersection, you just hit a home run. And, and you again, but the, here's the thing, like it can't be a secondary thought. Like you can't just have this be like a secondary brand that you kind of throw some resources at. You need to make it a focus and you need, if you're going to, if you're a current brand today that has like a straight sports nutrition brand, you want to do this, like make sure you have a team that you're going to put specifically on that brand that can focus on that yeah. brand that can help grow that brand and not have to share resources between the two, because you're always going to by default give the resources you need to your baby brand, like your, 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 your big ones. So if you want to be successful, you can't have, I mean, if you're in a half asset, you're going to be half ass successful and you're going to fail. So, um, yeah. that would be, that would be my two cents on that. Yeah. To your point, we, and we mentioned ghost a few times and cause you brought it up as like a counterpoint to something I was saying. And I think that why at least they've probably came out with a stronger effort than a lot of other people is because they have, uh, one of their core team members is a vegan. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, she has a, a voice and that is being utilized. And when you're, when you have a voice in the room and you're saying, Hey, we need to look at this and we actually have an authentic uh, voice and a loud enough voice. that's going to be able to pull that into actually execution. Cause you want to use it yourself. I think that helps validate everything where a lot of these brands maybe don't have anybody inside of their four walls that have any idea. They're just going to look at it as a cash register and they want to, you know, cash and, and get that out of there. You need to make sure that you have people in there that have an understanding of that lifestyle because you could trip up pretty quickly Easily. if you don't. Similar to any of the other kind of opportunities we talk about on this podcast, it's like if you don't really understand the, the market, the consumer, you're going to fail really bad because you're going to make a decision that you think is like, oh, well, obviously this is you know, plant-based and I'm reaching vegans. And it's like, they don't, you don't realize that those are two different things, um, and you're you're alienating your core customer of vegans because you're you're talking about all the time about veganism. It's like you got to understand where you are on the spectrum. You got to understand that whole market because if not, you're gonna just come out looking ignorant, and then they'll just write you off. Mm -hmm. You know, you need those early consumers to validate you. If you don't have the validation, you're gonna you're never gonna have any chance of it unless you have, you know hundreds of millions of dollars to push past it. And, you know, you have the distribution points. That's a whole different idea. We're talking mostly upstart brands. Yeah. And I will say this, and this is no disrespect at all to Redcon, but I think that they're, for instance, like in their case, I think the vegan protein was a bad fit. I don't think it fits well yeah. in their, in their yeah. scheme of products because like they're a bodybuilding brand. I mean, that's kind of the, you, you look at their, their athletes, they're all these jacked up dudes. You, you know, for a fact, aren't plant-based. And then they have a vanilla and a chocolate skew that kind of just chills it. Now, do they sell it? Yeah, they probably sell enough of it to keep it around because they have such a big tier operator program. 
but it's not a good brand. It's not a good fit. It's not on brand. Uh, I mean, I applaud the attempt, but like Ghost, for instance, doesn't come off as a bodybuilding brand. They come off as a cool, fun, hip brand. When like you mentioned, one of their 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 main influencers is is vegan. So it, it's a much better fit for a brand like Ghost versus a brand like Redcon, who are putting a lot of money and effort into the bodybuilding world, where you just don't see a lot of this. And and sure, it exists, but. It's just like I said, um, you know that that right there kind of be the difference between the two. So um, I am going to challenge Josh to have a plant based something in the next in the next month, whether it be an Impossible Burger, whether it be a sausage link, whether it be a pizza. You got to do something, Josh, and I need you to report back to us what you thought of it because uh, this is a business expense. So Uncle Sam can give you thirty three percent of that back in your taxes or whatever it is this year. So just do it for your country, Josh. Do it for yeah, we, your country. We've talked about it on the podcast. This is now a, a true business expense. Time for me to go out and spend those hard-earned dollars yes. towards uh, Beyond Meat. <laughs> Correct. Don't buy fucking tofu. You'll puke. But buy like the Beyond Meat stuff. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, over at YouTube. Write us a review. Help us off the algorithm. You can follow the podcast, Two Guys, One Shaker Cup, on Facebook. Instagram, uh, we're on Twitter, I believe, too, right? And TikTok, TikTok's still not set up yet, but so again, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there at some point. Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.